You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. I thought before I started my, my message that I know we did the Pledge of Allegiance to begin with, but I'm going to have you rise again. I want to start with the national anthem because I believe this country is truly great and a country that is truly under God and has a divine biblical purpose. Amen? So join us in singing of the National Anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail at the twilight's last glow. National Anthem for me took on a, a deeper meaning. If you remember here about four or five years ago, we did a, a play regarding the, the siege on Fort McHenry. And as Francis Scott Keyes was sitting off uh, on a British ship and could see the rockets and the bombs bursting over Fort McHenry and how the flag remained in place and how we saw that, that the flag, though it was hit by direct hits, yet as the ramparts glowed and the flag was revealed, there was at the base of that flag, a sea of humanity, patriots, who refused to allow that flag to fall, giving their life one after another to keep that flag up, seen over the ramparts, to let the British know that the American patriot would rather die on their feet before they will bow their knee to tyranny. And so, though my family has been very patriotic all my life, the national anthem took on a deeper, 
deeper meaning and a deeper understanding when you understand what it represents. It's not just a flag, but it represents an ideal, an ideology, a belief in a nation whose founders were 95% Orthodox Christians that believed in the Bible, that believed in, in rights and equality, and were willing to fight over these many years and pay the ultimate price so that you and I could live free and in a society that still believes in liberty. And so I think it's important that we continue to honor this nation as a nation that is under God. It's not a nation above God. It's not a nation trying to become equal with God. We are a nation under God. So I want to start this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to read verses 3 through 4, and then we'll, we'll open the sermon in prayer. It says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare and entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. Father, we thank you that we have enlisted ourselves. We have said, here we are, Lord. Send us as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We have entered into this spiritual warfare, Father. And we are taking up our spiritual arms, our spiritual armor. And we will fight this good fight of faith to lay hold of the promises and bring this good news of Jesus Christ and the love of our Heavenly Father to this world. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory in doing so in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, this church, we've, we've called ourselves Valor. Valor Christian Center. This word valor that we find in our vocabulary is significant. It means heroic courage, and strong character. In the Hebrew, the word is hajil, and it means valiant, strong, virtuous, worthy, or war-worthy. This word accurately describes those who have chosen country over self. Serving in one of the branches of the United States military requires valor. It requires you to be war-worthy. It requires a strong character and heroic courage. See, our veterans didn't take their oaths lightly. I mean, I look around and I see those who I know in this congregation that are veterans, and even some of our veterans who are, who are not here this morning, I know that they didn't take their oaths lightly. They didn't think that it was going to be a, treat, a, a trip to a vacation resort. They went through vigorous training, sleepless nights. I mean, how many times have I heard about the wake-up calls at 1, 2, at 3 in the morning? 
to put on your full gear and go for a run. So you're prepared when the time has come. Our veterans lack personal gain. I mean, you don't, go into the, you don't go into the military services to get rich. I don't know anybody who's done that. An 18-year-old said, hey, my path to riches is to sign up and go to boot camp. But yet they face peril of life, limb, and emotion to be our guardians. See, because it's the process of becoming more than just yourself. There are several very good biblical examples of individuals of strong character. And I don't know if you take the time like me sometime to read some of these stories, you know, not as Sunday school stories, but as historical events, the performance of their, their military service, showing heroic courage and veterans of valor. Guys like Barak, Samson, Jethro, and David. And Gideon. And I like to talk about Gideon because I think his story, not only is it significant, but it really ties into the name of our congregation. Gideon was not unlike many of us, not looking for confrontation. In fact, is when we pick up the story of Gideon in the Bible, we see that Gideon not only is not wanting confrontation, but he is hiding from it. Here he is, he's, he, he, he's in the, um, the wine presses, and, and um, what is he doing there? Because it's not grape season, nobody's going to look in the wine presses to try to find you. He's using it as a threshing floor. Because the Midianites have become so strong that they have chased Israel up into the mountains. They have basically looted the the wealth of Israel. There's also a correlation to what's going on in America in this story. Because just like the Midianites, there is a a new um, social thought that is trying to chase Christianity is trying to chase Judaism out of our society. It's trying to to teach a new history that we are a sectarian country not unlike any others. And that's why we are in this, this battle, we are in this warfare, because as believers, we know better. We know that we're not a sectarian nation. We are a nation that are built on the principles of the Bible. But it's something we've got to fight for. In Philadelphia, Ben Franklin was asked, do we have have a democracy? And he said, we have a republic, if you can keep it. See, it requires vigilance. And sometimes it requires battle, which means you have to go beyond yourself. And so here we find Gideon in a situation where the Midianites and their new society, their new thoughts, their new social norms, their new way of doing things had had pushed Israel out of its places, out of its cities, and put them into the hills in hiding. I can tell you there's part of our society now that is trying to do that to the church. 
They want to stifle religious thought, religious speech, and religious freedom. And chase us into the mountains, into the hills. And that's where Gideon was. Gideon was was hiding from the Midianites. And we pick up here in Judges 6.12 and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. There was nothing about Gideon's life. There was nothing about what Gideon was doing. There was nothing about the process of his daily activities that would say that Gideon was a mighty man of valor. But see, the Lord sent an angel, and the Lord says to him that that the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. See, and I hear God's word saying this of you. God's word is declaring this of you today. You are a mighty believer of valor. The Lord is with you. It's time that you get up from where you are. It's time that you realize who you are and get up in this might that God has given you as a mighty believer, a person of valor. Because it's your day, it's my day to save this republic. The Lord would say, it is your day maybe to save this republic that I've placed in your hands. I have made this a place like none other. In 6, 14 and 15, then the Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. God said it, but Gideon still didn't believe it. And I think many times the church is in that same position. God has said it. He has said that we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation called forth to sing his praises. That's what makes us different, and that's what makes America different. Because, see, you are a royal priesthood for America, which means you are a king. America was established that way. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. If we were a democracy, we would be voting in our leaders to lead and to rule us. But we're not. We're a republic. We don't vote in leaders to rule us. We elect leaders to convey... Our thoughts, our ideas, the things that we want done. And that's what makes us different. But here Gideon doesn't see himself the way God sees him. And many believers, unfortunately, in the church today don't see themselves the way God has created them as a person of valor, a person who is significant, a person whose voice is important. Your voice is important like Isaiah's was. We need more voices crying in the wilderness. We need more people that are promoting and propagating the good news of Jesus Christ. It is not just for the the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. This is something Jesus called us all to do when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say, well, you know what? I'll have Billy Graham go into all the world and preach the gospel, and the rest of you guys just show up in the stadiums and hear him. 
No, he's called each and every one of us to this good fight of faith. To build the kingdom. And the Lord says to him, have I not sent you? So Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And how many times have I heard that? Well, you don't understand. I'm retired. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have the right education. I'm not very good at speaking in public. I'm not very good at communicating the gospel. I'm not very good at this and that. But it's all a lie. Because what is true is what God thinks about you. And what you can do with him. So even though God saw Gideon as mighty, Gideon saw himself as incapable. And it caused inaction. It had been causing inaction for some time in the nation. See, veterans don't become veterans by inaction. Veterans become so by taking action. By, as one branch says, being all that you can be. You and I are capable We are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we are not designed for inaction. And there's been a complacency that has come into the church, where inaction seems to be the the thing that we do, and we count our, our Sundays or our midweek services, or maybe we only come Christmas and Easter and think we're doing God a favor. God is not impressed by our attendance. Just because I'm in church 52 times, 52 weeks a year, God is not impressed by my attendance. See, the Great Commission is not to go and make converts. It's to go and make disciples. What do disciples do? Disciples go out and do what their instructor does. We're all to go do what Jesus did. Jesus went into the hedges, the highways, the byways. He went into the churches, the synagogues. He went in and shared the truth of the kingdom of God. We need to be bold. We need to be willing to do the same thing. I mean, I've told you the stories before. I mean, I worked for the government for uh, several years. You know, and in, in government, they don't really like it when you show up with a, you know, a, a 1600 King James Bible that's this big under your arm, you know, so... But that doesn't mean you can't witness everything that is in that Bible. Just because you're not carrying the Geneva Bible in with you doesn't mean you can't be a written Bible before those who are with you. And how many times would I have people come to my my door and just say, hey, do you got a couple minutes I can talk? And shut the door and say, hey, I'm going through this issue with my, my spouse or what do I do in this situation? I'm having, I know you're a pastor, and uh, can you just give me some advice in this area of my life? See, our lives have to be a living witness, a living testimony. Our lives should be evangelizing the world. My wife and I used to call it lifestyle evangelizing. The lives that we live should be connecting with the communities. That's how we fight these battles We don't fight against flesh and blood. The Bible tells us that. Our warfare is in the spiritual dimension, but it can only be fought if you're using spiritual weapons. And if you're not taking time to be a spiritual witness, your weapons are sheathed 
unloaded, and put away. And that can't be the testimony of the church today. Especially not the church in America. Where generation after generation has paid the ultimate price. You know, these uniforms here, you know, the Army and the, and the Navy and uh, these, these badges for the Marine Corps and the Air Force and the Coast Guard and soon the Space Force, they represent a people who had a greater belief in this than in an army that the, that the world said was undefeatable. See, this can change any situation. Because, see, the, the things in the unseen are more powerful than things in the seen dimension. In verse 16 here in Judges, it says, And the Lord said to Gideon, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. See, God sees Gideon as he sees you, able to defeat the evil of our day. You are a mighty person of valor. And church, we need to start acting like it. That's why we go to all of the extra work. That's why we put in all of the time. That's why we, we do all of the struggle doing things like car shows and um, you know, community outreaches and even garage sales. It's not about selling you know, 50 cent piece of um, whatever it is, China or whatever it is out there. It's about connecting with the community every time they come in. We sell fireworks. Yeah, it helps us to put on some other events, but the purpose is to connect with the community. To let them know that God loves them. And we have people now driving from, you know, way out in Santan and, and clear over in Phoenix, and they come here to buy their fireworks. Why? Because they know that there's something different going on here at Valor. Because, see, we're fighting a different battle. We're not like the, the, you know, the Davy Joneses and the TNTs just trying to make money. No, we're trying to be a witness. We're trying to show people that the kingdom of God is a lot different than, than what religion says it is. Because knowing Jesus is not about a religion, it's about a relationship. And when God looked at Gideon, he said, man, you're more than, you're more than you think you are. And God's saying the same thing to us. He's saying, start thinking like I'm thinking. Start being the way that I created you to be. Start doing what, you could, what I've called you to do. Let's have an impact on this world. You are the change force. And church, it's time that we start to act like it. In 2 Timothy 2.3, it says, You therefore must be willing to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. See, we don't want any hardship anymore. You know, we, do, we, we go out of our way to avoid hardship. I mean, let me just give you an example. You just watch late night TV. There's every device known to man to avoid any hardship in your life. New ways to skin potatoes and apples, right? New ways to clean the floor, shovel the snow, so you won't have any hardship in your life. We like to avoid hardship. But you know, sometimes in the army of God, we're going to have some hardship. There's some battles that need to be fought, right? There, there's some Utah beaches, there's some Omaha beaches, and they must be landed on. 
And failure is not an option because this world and God's purpose for it is too great. So we need to learn to endure hardship. In 2 Timothy 2, 4, you know, it also says that we need to learn how to endure some affliction. People, persecution is not somebody thinking that you're a hypocrite. Well, I just don't want to get too far out there. People will talk about me. They're talking about you behind your back already. You just don't know it. Well, I want everybody to like you. They don't like you already, so just forget about it. You know, if you just get over all of that self stuff and realize that, that the important thing is what he thinks about you, right? That's the important thing. What does God think about me? And just get rid of all this other nonsense. We're so concerned. Well, if I go and ask them if they want prayer, what if they reject me? I don't know if I can handle the persecution. You ever read the story of Paul? He spent a day and a night in the deep. They drug him out of synagogues and stoned him and left him for dead. I think it's just incredible. So what did he do? Did he say, take me to the trauma center? No, he said, Luke, bandage me up. I'm going back to the synagogue. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's endure some affliction. Let's do the work of an evangelist and fulfill the ministry that God has for us. Founder Thomas Paine once said, Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. Where would we be today if our veterans had not seen themselves as victors? See, tyrants are always looking for losers. They're looking for somebody to suppress. They're looking for somebody to rule. I mean, I remember back in the 1970s and it, that um, we were told that the communists used to say that we may not beat you in the Cold War, but we don't have to. All we have to do is beat you in the classroom. Because if we can change your way of thinking, and you see it now, you see this real move towards socialism. And, and uh, you know, most young people don't even know what socialism is. They think it's Facebook and Twitter and YouTube where they socialize with people. But social, social, socialism is a gateway to communism and true tyr, tyranny and, and totalitarianism. You know, people, there are a lot of people out there using words that they don't have any understanding of. You know, if you believe in lower taxes, you're, you're a totalitarianismist, whatever. You have no idea what it means because you forgot to go to history class in school. You haven't picked up a history book since you got out of high school. You don't realize how, Hitler's, how Hitler gained his power in Germany. How his socialist party became the Third Reich, became the Nazi party. Just a little history lesson because i got a couple minutes here. But, you know, Hitler was considered a very good spokesman a very good communicator. And because of the, the, the poverty and the, the embarrassment that, that Germany was facing in, uh, in the onslaught that they'd had with the Russians, there, na- there was no national pride in Germany and, and the, mor- the morale was down. And Hitler came up as a potential savior for the German people. And it all started out really good. 
But you know, socialists have a greater agenda than they ever let on. Because it went from let's be, let's be nationalist to now let us be uh, selectists. That if you're not German, you're obviously not of the chosen race. And it's a slippery slope. And if we allow it to take hold in America, history has a tendency of repeating itself. And it's so easy to see that, that, that there's a generation devoid of history and doesn't understand. They throw things out like, oh, you're a hit Hitler, you're a Nazi, but they have no idea about the history behind it and how Hitler came to power and what his philosophies were and the evil that was behind his socialist party that became the Nazi party that people know today. But there are those who are looking, there's always tyrants looking for those who are downtrodden and losers trying to swoop in and be the answer. They're looking for people that they can control and manipulate and rule. We have to be a voice because there's a generation that, that is out there that is espousing things that are contrary to our, our founding beliefs and biblical doctrine. God is looking for those who will see themselves as he sees them, mighty. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Founder John Adams said, People and nations are forged in the fires of adversity. This is what places the veteran of the United States of America in a class by themselves. Let me quote a veteran from our own congregation. It says, There is a song that says in part, Never give up. What he said he will do, he'll do. God's not through blessing you. Sometimes we wonder where God is in answering our prayers. Remember, His timing is not ours. He may not come early or on our schedule, but He never comes late. That's why He wants us to continue our communication with Him and trust in Him. He tells us to ask, to seek, to find. He wants us to seek Him with our whole heart, with every fiber of our being. Philippians 4 or Philippians 3.14 tells us to continue to press towards the mark of our high calling in God in Christ Jesus. Regardless of what you're facing, nothing takes God by surprise. Satan will always try to pull you off the path that God has for you. Just take your burdens to the cross and leave them there, and don't pick them back up again. God's got this. Leave it to Him. Associate Pastor Dr. Thor Strandholt, United States Navy, combat veteran. In closing, let me read from another combat veteran, General George Washington, the first president of these United States. Let us therefore rely upon the goodness of the cause and the aid of Almighty God, in whose hands victory is to animate and encourage us to great and noble actions. If you're here today and you are a veteran, I'd like you to stand so the congregation can stretch their hands towards you and pray. So would you please stand for us? Father, we thank you for these veterans. We thank you, Lord, for their life and the service that they have given to this country. That they forsook the pleasures of their own life to be our guardians. We ask, Father, you continue to bless them with health, with prosperity, and with mental clarity. In Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. Amen. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com. Or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.